Hey, let's talk about trash. And by trash, I mean electronic arts. EA Sports. It's all the same. Do you ever wonder why Madden is the only football video game out there? Do you ever wonder what happened to the NFL 2K, Quarterback Club, Tecmo Bowl, and NFL Blitz? You also ever wonder why you hardly ever see any baseball video games, or soccer, or even basketball? You have EA to thank for that. As a matter of fact, the barren landscape of the sports simulator genre can be traced to a terrible extreme capitalist business deal that was made nearly two decades ago. In 2004, the highly anticipated NFL 2K5 would release at the low, low price of 1995, which was unheard of during an era of $50 to $60 games. For $30 less than its main competitors and launching weeks in advance, NFL 2K5 would be cheaper and would still provide you with the full football simulator experience with so many added features that even the Maddens of today have failed to match it. Similar to Tecmo Bowl, Madden 95, and NBA Jam, NFL 2K5 is a benchmark in the history of video games. In 2004, EA got scared and would drop their price shortly after the launch of its good but inferior Madden 2005. Even though it ended up with grand reviews and plenty of praise and outsold its rival, they were nonetheless worried that Sega was a few years away from being the new king of football gaming. This was arguably the closest anyone has ever gotten to outperforming them since the Genesis days. It wasn't enough for EA to see franchises like NFL Game Day and NFL Quarterback Club fail. They wanted the formerly Dreamcast-exclusive NFL 2K to also go down. So they did the seemingly unthinkable. They paid the NFL several million dollars to obtain exclusive licensing of the league, its affiliates, and its players for the next several years. Then, just a month after that, signed an exclusive deal with ESPN to use their branding. Sega lost their strong partnership with ESPN and the ability to make NFL games. Everyone literally lost the ability to make NFL games entirely, which would lead to a class action lawsuit years later. Sega would concede defeat, sell 2K Sports to Take-Two in January 2005, who would then buy the MLB license as a way to spite EA's greedy decisions involving football. However, with no ESPN, MLB 2K would also suffer, and we didn't have EA's superior MVP baseball franchise to enjoy as an alternative. No gamer was winning here, and that winter of wild licensing purchases actually affects everything we're seeing today. The sports simulator genre today is an absolute disaster because winter 2004 would prove what's more important than making a good product is to have the exclusive ability to make said product. Even though there are many culprits for the lack of quality we're seeing in sports games today, none are guiltier than electronic arts. We've seen a lack of evolution in football and soccer video games thanks to them, and their blueprint of cheap mediocrity has also bled into basketball, wrestling, and baseball video games that we're seeing from others, unfortunately. And unlike virtually every other genre in video games, we don't have another choice if we want to play another football game, or play a soccer game with most of its rosters of players that we know and love. 
We're forced to put up with the companies holding the keys, and even worse, it's usually a company that refuses to evolve with the times. Why should EA make an effort to better themselves if there isn't another product that can challenge them? NFL belongs solely to EA still nearly 20 years later. And even after FIFA stepped up and distanced themselves from EA, EA still has exclusive access to several rosters of soccer leagues and tournaments around the world, which makes it impossible for anyone to try to make a fully rostered soccer simulator. Every single year, gamers are screwed over despite the improved technology and innovations that we've seen in gaming and despite the professional sports world being as big and as profitable as ever. Greed has obliterated an entire faction of gaming and consumers around the world deserve significantly better. I would say the sporting leagues deserve better, but their greed also contributes to the issues we see today. In hindsight, EA and the NFL deserve each other. With no actual competition, there's no effort to improve the craft, and this is why we still talk about NFL 2K5 and MVP Baseball 2004 today, three gaming generations later. We have a long way to go before reaching the peak sports simulator days of the early 2000s, and it starts with seeing what's wrong now, and how we got there, and why Electronic Arts continues being absolute trash. Welcome to Coffee and a Script. everyone hope you're all doing well no major podcast updates i have the patreon running now as i'm trying to find myself a little bit of financial cushion so i can spend less time working a real job and more time researching and writing and giving this project the proper treatment it deserves it's kind of strange asking for funds from a population that is mostly feeling the same financial crunch i'm suffering So that's why my Patreon can remain empty for the next several months, and I won't feel any anguish or anger over it. I get it. It's so rough out there. Maybe after November, the outlook will become brighter. Hint, hint. But as of now, it's kind of a blurry future. Little makes sense anymore. Even Instagram has suddenly become anti-pictures and turned into a Coke Zero TikTok. Nothing, nothing makes sense. On to the sponsor. Our hero Joseph is the son of a successful Australian captain of a feared pirate crew whose dream it is to eventually see his son take over when he's old enough. But Joseph has a different career to pursue, baseball player. During a raid in his childhood days, he discovers the game that he will love for the rest of his life and dedicates his teenage years to learning the game and mastering the craft. But through a tragic series of events, his aspiring baseball career is cut short as he loses a leg and an eye during an ambush, giving him the prototypical appearance of a pirate. But decades later, while running a small bar in Ohio, he's given a second opportunity to establish a baseball career, but instead as the manager of a baseball team that's secretly being built to fail by a pair of vengeful owners. 
In this classic sports fable, David's versus Goliath's, we see Joseph use decades of his love and knowledge of baseball, as well as his piracy-based instincts, to try to lead his depleted team of rejected players to a championship, against the wishes of the league, and especially against the wishes of the owners. Two brothers on a mission to ruin the very town the team plays in. The screenplay is a blend of Major League and The Natural. Written by Milton E. Mousman, the script is available for the low, low price of a million dollars. Please. I have bills and loans to, play, to pay. Please. Please. Alright, back on topic. Chapter 1. How in the hell we got here. So we've had plentiful sports video games all throughout history, even during the 1980s. The Atari, the original NES, the Master System, they all had their share of sports gaming options. The first game that truly had that edge over the competition because of their permission to use actual players' likeness was Tecmo Bowl, when Bo Jackson became a legend with his pixelized appearance terrorizing all opposing defenses. Uh, fun fact... There are still tournaments around the United States related to Tecmo Bowl, and the one team you are not allowed to pick is the team that has Bo Jackson. That's how good he is on this game. He's unfairly good. Yes, there are personal experiences related to losing against this team. It's okay. I will not waste my trauma here. Back on topic. To me, the second game to truly utilize the licensing of actual athletes was NBA Jam, an arcade masterpiece that not only had all the teams, but the developers would even provide effort to ensure the players matched their real-life look. I mean, they look a bit unrealistic today, but back in 1993, the graphics were a game-changer, and the overall presentation and attitude was a great reflection to the type of energy 1990s NBA tried emulating. The NBA in the world of sports pop culture would imitate some of the gameplay moments and vocabulary of NBA Jam, with He's on Fire being the dominant example. Let me try that again. He's on fire! I, that, that's better. Just one year after the start of the NBA Jam phenomenon, Madden 95 would become the first Madden to not only have the necessary NFL licensing, but would be the first Madden to feature black players in the game and in the packaging, as opposed to making them all white players. Why it took them six years, we'll save that conversation for another time, but yeah, EA been trash since before Mario meeting Yoshi. Either way, Madden 95 was the game to propel the Madden franchise to the top, and it would remain there for a very, very long time, becoming a consistent top seller during the first PlayStation's run. But mysteriously missing from the list of available consoles that would sell Madden was the Sega Dreamcast. Turns out Sega invested a lot of money to creating their own line of sports games, and EA wanted total exclusivity in the upcoming Dreamcast for said sports games, especially football. In other words, EA wanted to be the only option in town for Dreamcast owners. This is definite foreshadowing, by the way. Of course, Sega refused. And after Sega did refuse, EA decided to focus on the other major players, especially the PlayStation, where it was doing so well. 
So what did Sega have in store for their Dreamcast? The Dreamcast did not succeed, and a part of it was because of the lack of third-party support, especially the lack of support from the powerful Electronic Arts. But if there was a reason to buy one, it was for their sports games, especially NFL 2K. The 2K series was Sega's money being well spent as Visual Concepts was firing on all cylinders and right off the gate was pound for pound just as good as the Madden games that were releasing on the Playstations. Side note, Visual Concepts didn't just succeed with football. Their basketball, hockey, and baseball games on the Dreamcast slash Xbox slash PlayStation 2 would all end up with strong reviews, award-winning moments, and strong sales. Part of Sega's confidence in even becoming a third-party studio after unexpectedly dropping out of the console wars was because of this studio in particular. Too bad we were never able to see how they could pull off a soccer game. More on that later. More foreshadowing. NFL 2K1 would actually outperform Madden 2001 on the first couple weeks of release, despite it appearing only on the Dreamcast. The first four games in this series would also receive higher review scores than Madden. Despite all this, EA and the Madden team were not worried, as they still remained the king by being on the other three consoles. But competition would heat up as the Dreamcast was discontinued, and NFL 2K would be moving into their gaming neighborhoods. Which leads us to NFL 2K5. In the infamous year of 2004, one of the greatest video games of all time was released, even if its success would spell its doom as well as the destruction of multiple genres of video games. NFL 2K5 released at $20, so that way not only could they dominate Madden in terms of critical acclaim, as expected, but now they are poised to catch new fans and finally dethrone Madden in terms of sales. $20 for a new Xbox game from an acclaimed series with more ESPN personality and more Chris Berman than ever? Who says no? Sign me up! Here's the kicker. Madden during the PS1 and the PS2 era were also great games, but they just couldn't outperform NFL 2K in quality, mainly relying on their fan base and established reputation in order to survive and outsell. Madden had a multi-year head start on 2K because, of course, Sega was originally making sports games only on the Dreamcast. But it's different now, and Madden had to step their game up. Madden 2004 and Madden 2005 are among the best Madden games ever made because of this rivalry. But knowing 2K was going to still be around after Dreamcast scared them completely. It's as if EA knew that their days were numbered as the Kings. So after seeing how the gamers responded and how much of a bite Sega took from their market share, they chose a different route to ensure ongoing success. It wasn't going to be improving their craft, but buying out the competition literally. Electronic Arts would damage the gaming industry by once again opening that damn ugly door about licensing exclusivity. And this wasn't the first time, by the way, but we'll get on that later. Not only did they buy the NFL licensing, but they even made an exclusive partnership deal with ESPN, despite not even utilizing the brand's imagery for several years. 
In the same year, Sega published the most successful football video game in its history and arguably its best, they lost the ability to continue the series. NFL 2K went from nearly reaching the top to becoming extinct. A devastating blow to the industry as we also lost a potential comeback of the Game Day and Tech Mobile series, as well as the super popular NFL Blitz. None of these games are allowed to exist in its current format. White flag waving Sega sells visual concepts and the 2K series to Take Two, who decided to bank their future on Major League Baseball by purchasing an exclusive license with that league, and therefore another good gaming franchise became extinct, which is MVP Baseball from Electronic Arts. So slowly but surely, we were losing options in all the sports as we had already seen soccer games dwindle to two main franchises with Pro Evolution Soccer and FIFA, which made a partnership with EA in the late 90s. Even worse, the sports leagues themselves would become greedier, and this resulted in lawsuits eliminating certain brands, like EA's NCAA and Arena Football, and eventually even fewer sports gaming franchises. None of this would be as big an issue if the sports games nowadays were any good. But that's the problem. They became bad. Very, very bad. Chapter 2. What's wrong with it all today? Alright, the history portion of this episode is about done. Let's discuss the current state of gaming. The sports simulators today still does that tradition of releasing a game every year, but now do this technique of subtraction and addition to justify the yearly purchases. No two games are the same, even though they generally tend to look and play similarly when we get to the sports action. So what happens is, some features will straight up disappear, and then reappear years later to spark additional excitement, as opposed to having all the necessary features in every installment, like our NFL 2K series from the past. Even worse, the sports games are flooded with microtransactions and pay-to-play elements that take advantage of the wild sports fans that live and breed, not breed, well, live and bleed their sports. That may have been a little slip there. Or those whose careers depends on playing these games online and need all the aesthetics and updates to keep pace with what the market is offering. So these games are also taking advantage of streamers and people within the gaming industry that survive on discussing, talking about, playing the video games in the industry today. We only have one true football game in the market. We only have one actual soccer game. We only have one and a half baseball games with the MLB license. And of course, basketball has notoriously been reduced to one, even though there isn't an exclusive licensing agreement there. But these licenses have become very expensive, so therefore arcade sports franchises, usually made with lower budgets like your NBA Jams and MLB The Bigs, they just don't exist. When I said one and a half for Major League Baseball, that's because MLB actually does make a video game themselves. Uh, I believe they actually stopped doing it because Major League Baseball just hates growing. But there will be another episode dedicated to why the old people running my favorite sports league just have to go. 
Probably the most overlooked major issue I have with these games is how they still release a new game every year when modern gaming technology today allows us the ability to fix and improve games with online patches. Why on earth do these franchises not make one game with all the bells and whistles and just release patches every year at a significantly smaller price to update the rosters, fix the bugs, and potentially add said new features? Fortnite has been the same game since 2017, love them or hate them, and they've been able to constantly update themselves and even feature live concerts, love or hate Travis Scott, but the concert he did, you know, directly in the Fortnite game was actually damn good. What about Rocket League? That's a 2015 game that constantly updates itself and has become a part of the professional gaming community. We don't need yearly Maddens on a PlayStation 5. Make a legitimately good one and just keep it going with patches and updates. And I say this as EA has literally been caught packaging older FIFA games with just updated rosters and no additional features for the Nintendo Switch and charging $50 to $60. We always mock Nintendo for supposedly releasing and re-releasing the same games, but in the span between Zelda Breath of the Wild games, we've seen six Madden games on the Xboxes and Playstations. So, there's just no Madden on the Switch. But on the subject of the Nintendo Switch, Mario Tennis Aces notoriously had a very rocky start back in 2018, so what Camelot and Nintendo did was unleashed a slew of patches for free to improve the roster, balance the gameplay, and fix up the gameplay bugs. The result for accepting the problems and overhauling the game? Over 4 million copies sold and is now hailed as one of the better arcade sports games in the entire market. Why doesn't Madden just release one game on the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5 and just update the roster through yearly downloadable patches? Hell, why not also offer, you know, updated roster patches for people who can't afford to buy Madden every year? Because of greed. Because of greed. And because of said greed, they are never trying to make the best game. They time crunch themselves to just throwing something out there and then survive on marketing, association with ESPN, and advantages of exclusivity. EA no longer has an NFL 2K to compete against. They have the entire market to claim, and no matter how crappy, underdeveloped, or buggy the Madden or FIFA becomes, we sports fans and sports game streamers have no choice but to fork over the money and move on. Fun fact, there are still people playing the older NFL 2K games on Dreamcast servers, as well as older Xboxes and Playstations. And you can find free downloadable patches to update the rosters for each of the teams. So if we can do this to games from the Bush Jr. era, it can be done on the games of today. I never want to hear it. Never, ever let anyone tell you otherwise. It's just, you know, there's no excuses. This is why EA got sued several times to a point in which they had to offer discounts to all customers in the early 2010s because their entire business strategy is sheer anti-consumerism. But we've yet to truly go after them because they technically aren't a monopoly. Since you can still technically, technically make football sports games. 
It's just that now you're reduced to making arena football, XFL, or USFL games instead, which there isn't an audience for. No matter how good the Canadian Football League is, there just really isn't an audience for it in video games. This is also why the only other soccer option outside of FIFA is Mario Strikers Battle League. There isn't a big enough market to make a Liga TDP video game. Nobody's buying a game with just the fourth tier Mexican soccer teams, which is one of the few leagues EA does not have a contract with. We're stuck with FIFA. We're just, we're just stuck with them. Well, in 2023, it's called EA Soccer FC. Ugh. Now that FIFA doubled their price to using their name and likeness. <laughs> EA's not the only greedy one out there. FIFA is a completely different creature of greed. Why do you think they're playing in Qatar in the winter instead of playing soccer in the summer as it should be? Ugh. Ugh. But look at the sports game options we had in the year 2000. Just the year 2000. Wait, let me drink some water first. All right, let's go. NHL 2K, NFL 2K, NBA 2K, Madden 2001, World Series Baseball 2K1, NHL 2001, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2001, NFL Game Day 2001, FIFA 2001, NFL Quarterback Club 2001, ISS Pro Evolution 2, Triple Play 2001, NASCAR 2001, NCAA Football 2001, Gran Turismo 2, and then let's add the arcade sports games, NFL Blitz 2000, NBA Jam 2000, NBA Courtside 2, Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest, Excitebite 64, and just to spice this up, we've got Mario Tennis on the N64 and the Game Boy Color as Virtual Tennis skipped this year. Yet another side note. Not sure if I should or shouldn't add the wrestling games, but special shout out to WWF No Mercy on the Nintendo 64, which also came out on 2000 and remains the best wrestling game ever made. Not even going to list our options today. You all know there's zero chance we have this many sporting game options on the market today. Extreme capitalism and greed has created a scenario where decades after NFL 2K first started coming to fruition, we're seeing fewer and fewer fully licensed games to choose from, and that's outrageously unacceptable. It just sucks as a sports fan and a video game consumer how stretched thin this has all become. Chapter 3. What the heck do we do now? The solutions on a legal sense doesn't really exist unless there's a politician scorned enough to start the fight and push laws to limit content monopolies. Legally, EA did nothing wrong, even if it's all morally shitty. Legally, they are allowed to make as crappy a game as they want because there also isn't there's no law against repackaging a game and selling it full price hoping to fool some poor parent. Maybe there can be an anti-consumer lawsuit in some capacity, but victory is usually a long shot. There are no lawsuits against making it impossible for consumers to have additional choices in buying officially licensed games. Can't really go after the sporting leagues either, since it's their decision in this free market. So what can we do? 
Boycott. Stop buying from EA directly. Instead, buy from secondhand markets. Maybe buy their older and better titles. And find ways to update the rosters for the older games to get your sporting gaming fix. Then, extend this boycott to include all EA games beyond just the sports games. If enough of us stop spending money on them, then maybe, just maybe, they'll listen up and be more willing to make games actually worth a damn. Boycotting is honestly the best option in trying to expand the horizons just a little in the game industry. Maybe reach out to the sporting leagues themselves and tell them to be more open-minded in who they are handing the licensing permissions to. Convince them that the more options that we have in the market, the better off we'll all become. And this will be a long and grueling battle. Not playing NFL video games for a few years may not be worth it in your eyes. But as for me, I've boycotted Electronic Arts since 2005, and don't plan on dropping this seemingly pointless fight anytime soon. They're already shitty to their workers, and they're also being shitty to the consumers while constantly preventing the industry from, feed, from reaching its full potential. There are entire legions of gamers that have no idea how truly good we had it back in the early PlayStation and Xbox days. Sadly enough, our boycott may have to extend the take two, who has also gone the Madden route with the NBA 2K series. Yep, the former leaders of the sporting simulator industry has reduced themselves to the same ugly habits, as their games have notoriously been dipping in quality lately, and they've also flooded their yearly renditions with ugly microtransactions. The gaming industry is more powerful, more profitable, and more successful than ever before. The consoles are selling so fast that there just aren't enough microchips being produced to meet the demand, while the Nintendo Switch is poised to shatter the record of best-selling console ever made, especially with the Switch Pro still nowhere to be found. Sorry, uh, my bitterness was coming off there. I still predict that it'll come out in March 2023. I got money that it'll come out on March 2023. Don't disappoint me, Nintendo. There are a lot of excellent games out there in a wide variety of prices. So my gripe isn't with the industry. It's with this predatory corner of the gaming world, which has gotten away with far too much for far too long. Changes are needed if we are to ever get rid of these ugly habits coming from Electronic Arts take two and anyone taking advantage of exclusivity to become straight trash with zero consequences. Maybe the legal route is needed. Maybe mass protests and boycotts are required. Either way, we deserve better products. We deserve better games. Makes zero sense why nearly all of our greatest sports simulators ever made happened in the past and eons ago. And this isn't even the nostalgia talking. Critics, gamers, and streamers nowadays have literally lowered their expectations on Madden and FIFA. And it shouldn't be this way. Lots of excellent talent out there in the gaming world can produce the excellent sports simulator content that would get us away from the rut of seeing yet another Madden with a million glitches. Another Madden with players 
having giant heads and broken legs while still running 80 yards for a touchdown. We, we deserve better than that. Imagine Nintendo's next-level games being allowed to make FIFA games with their creativity and attention to detailed animation, complete with those necessary patches so we can update our roster without having to buy a completely different game. Imagine Tribute Games, who just made the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, by the way, making a 90s-esque NBA arcade game to the vein of NBA Jam. Just imagine all the possibilities if licensing did not become so restrictive. Competition creates necessary improvements. And this is why Madden and NFL 2K were so damn good in the early 2000s. They had all these other football video games to defeat on their way to the top and then had to fight each other. No competition, no need to make the best game possible. And therefore, the art overall suffers and the consumers are stuck choosing from crap or more crap or just making a fantasy football league with our closest friends and relatives to sort of recreate that type of experience. We'll always have NFL 2K5 even if EA and the National Football League makes it impossible for the game to even transfer its way to modern-day gaming without some second-hand market trickery. There's a reason why Xbox Game Pass cannot even include this game, despite its ongoing popularity. Please, NFL 2K on the Xbox Game Pass would be amazing! Let's start boycotting and demanding better. Let's make sports simulators great again. That, or support your local used video game store by purchasing a Dreamcast and all their excellent sports games to see how good we used to have it and see all of the great software that the majority of gamers completely ignored in favor for the PlayStation 2. The Dreamcast also deserved much, much better. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. My website is diac1987.com, where you can find my blog, my other podcast entries, as well as my completely empty Patreon, in case you have enough to lend some financial and moral support. Have a wonderful week, and hope you'll come back for the next episode. Special shout-out to OC Remix's Chris Kohler, Kay Triton, Mustin, and Steve Lella, for the music used throughout the podcast. Take care, register to vote, support the local economy, and once again, screw Electronic Arts forever and always. Ciao, ciao. Make better games, EA. And let us have NFL 2K on the Xbox Game Pass.